You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, if you had to be paired with an alcoholic beverage, would it be Bacardi Breezes? No, no, it wouldn't be. I'm, I'm much tougher than that. I wasn't. Uh, I think uh, Matty Lloyd wasn't. It wasn't yes. he the guy that loved Bacardi Breezes back in the day? I, I think it I sure remember was. something about that. Yep, that was. Uh, that's exactly where I was going with this because apparently, your mate again, Kane Corn, saying that uh, Ollie Wines and talk in the trade period is just like Matthew Lloyd and Bacardi Breezes. They are never far apart. Which, to be fair to Kane. That's actually pretty humorous. Um, I just thought maybe you you might be a, a breezer man yourself, but uh, just just going a different direction there. No, no, no. I, I haven't had too many breezes in my lifetime. I will admit that. And uh, Kane Collins, I'm, I'm starting to feel like you don't like him. What, what what's what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, that's, look, that opinion's uh, for you to hold. That opinion is for me to say you're correct. But that is yep. also uh, is also just a, a constant source of uh, of mirth, mainly in laughing at versus the the rare time where I'm laughing with. And in this case, I am laughing with him. But let's not talk Kane Collins because there's there's footy stuff going on. There's a whole bunch of uh, moves allegedly happening. We're not going to talk about the, the nonsense that gets thrown around. But Horatio Fantasia, let's start with him. He is uh, he wants to go back to Port. We know that he's wanting to go back to Adelaide for a couple of years now, but wants Port over Adelaide. I, I don't imagine there's going to be too much of a holdup in getting that sort of a, a deal done, considering how hard it's been for him to get in on the park over the last couple of years. I don't really have a lot to add to this other than I'm absolutely not shocked that if he had the choice of going to either club that he would want to go to Port Adelaide. We've spoke about uh, the age demographic. They have the younger guys that have coming through with, with a mix of veterans that have still got a year or two left in them playing really good footy. Uh, if you had the choice, if you wanted to win, uh, go to Port. Pretty simple. Yeah, it is. And look, I don't I don't imagine, but of course it's Dodoro, so anything could happen. But I don't imagine the the requirement for him to go there is going to be all that all that tough. I believe he's a, a free agent. He might be a restricted free agent, but I believe he's a free agent anyway. I don't think Essendon would be you know, uh, going out there and looking to match and, and really create problems for him for a guy that uh, obviously doesn't want to be there and has really, really struggled to play. Um Actually, he's not a restricted free agent. He's a restricted free agent at the end of next season. My bad. So he's still uh, a contracted player, but I don't imagine they'll be uh, demanding too much in a trade. He played just the five games this year and kicked only one goal. I think it's worth at least trying to push the power a little bit. I, I think um, for some reason, there seems to be a lot of negative uh, criticism of uh, AFL uh, list managers and, and the, the front office types that seem to push back or they start with a trade proposal that people might find a little bit uh, over the top. I mean, I just don't understand why you wouldn't do that. I mean, they've got a few weeks to try and get a deal done here. Fantasia, a couple of years ago, really, really great footy for Essendon. Clearly, health has been an issue, but health has been an issue for a number of players at Essendon. So if you're a club that backs in your medical staff and think you can get this guy healthy, we've seen a similar situation with Danaher and Brisbane. Brisbane, over the last few years, has been able to get players that have previously been injury-prone uh, on the park. So, uh, you know, Essendon clearly would still value Fantasia. They just haven't been able to extract that value on the field. But, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't just hand him over for nothing. I'll say that. Yeah, no, you, you'd get something, but it's not going to be that high of a uh, 
of an ask. An interesting thing that I find with all this trade period stuff, obviously, Kane, we cover the NBA as well. I've done that pretty in-depth for years now. But whenever it's AFL trade period, we hear almost every detail of every discussion at all times, apparently. A lot of time in the NBA, you hear weird trade rumors. But often, the trade comes out, and it's here it is, it's happening, it's going down, and it's done in an hour. Not like these situations we have where, you know, Dodoro asks for pick six and this bloke and this bloke and this bloke, all the every negotiation seems to be played out in the media with every player. And that is in stark contrast to how it appears to be to me in the NBA. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I'm not sure really why that is the case because generally AFL media in general and the way that news is distributed throughout the media is, is pretty low-key. There's not a lot of news. We know that, uh, let's just say, it's very filtered. You don't have the access that you have in, in the US with the NBA as well, not even close as far as you know what I can do or what you can do. So it's a little bit surprising, and I, I don't think it's really necessary. I don't know why we need to hear about all that, but uh, I don't know. I, I guess that's the way it plays out. I think it does, in, a, in, a lot, in many respects, paint uh, some of these guys in a bad light, which, again, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, there has to be some sort of negotiation, particularly for a player that is in this age bracket where there's still plenty of good footy ahead of him We've seen in the past uh, veteran stars basically be handed over between teams. And I think in some instances it makes sense for clubs to build that goodwill as a team that, yeah, we'll negotiate with you. We'll, we'll figure something out with you. And I think that helps uh, build uh, the club's reputation among the, the league as a team that is easy to deal with. But when it's a player that's uh, sort of in the prime of his career, I don't think that should be the case. Yeah, I, uh, I would 100% agree with that. I don't know why we have so much negotiation by media, which is what it seems to be a lot of the time here. So, um, yeah, that, that's a different thing that, that happens here in uh, in the AFL and with trades. Uh, some other news here. Gold Coast uh, admitting some interest in Adam Trelaw. Brisbane ruled that out. But this would make a lot of sense. It's all going to come down to what Trelaw wants to do. He doesn't did, says he didn't want to move to Queensland. He wants to stay in Victoria. But if this is you know, what's happening with his family, then maybe... He does go up, and we've talked at length about uh, how we think that would be a great fit, so we won't talk too much about that one here. Some other news, Aaliyah, Aaliyah uh, doesn't want to leave Sydney. Port Adelaide has uh, inquired, and uh, apparently you're getting stonewalled there, so that talk that we had a couple of weeks ago about how he would make sense for Port doesn't appear to be the case. And then something also we brought up yesterday, Kane, is Jack Higgins moving on from Richmond. About an hour after we uh, published the podcast, that report came out that he was out of there, and uh, it looks like St Kilda might be the team going going down the exact same route they went with the Richmond small forward who doesn't get a game in the grand final with Dan Butler. They're going back to the well with Jack Higgins. Yeah, this makes sense that Higgins would want to uh, get out of Richmond, and not in a negative light because clearly Richmond is a, is a great club to develop and a great club to be around. But Higgins, if you look simply at the numbers game, you look at their lineup. Uh, from this year, it's it's really hard for me to see Higgins breaking into that team and being a regular player, which is clearly what he wants. I am a little bit surprised that he's gone to St Kilda, though. I would have thought if he wanted to go to a, a team where there was a chance of success, but he also would have backed himself in to get a game. Maybe it would have been a Melbourne. Maybe it would have been a Carlton, who we know, you know, obviously Eddie Betts is coming towards the end of his time there. There certainly looks like there will be a position for a player like Higgins, uh, he would have to battle clearly you know, a player like Gibbons who came onto the scene this year and had a fantastic year. But Carlton would have struck me as a better fit for Higgins. Uh, likewise, uh, Melbourne, North Melbourne, not so much just because of where they're at uh, as a list. But St Kilda surprises me a little bit just because 
You look at the success they had with Dan Butler. He's a lock to play in their team next year. Then you have guys like Jack Loney, Jack Billings, and Jade Gresham as well. Those really small types because Higgins is a small man. He's a small fella. And, yeah. and I think that there's only so many of those players you can play in the same team. So when I look at Higgins going to St. Kilda, I can still see him being in a position where he really has to fight for a spot in the team, which if you're going to leave Richmond, I don't know. I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why would you put yourself in that position anyway? Why wouldn't you just stay at Richmond and say, hey, I'm going to try and win a flag next year? Well, I guess what you could have that thought is that St. Kilda is you know, obviously looking to get Brad Crouch in, but they could be moving on from other guys. In maybe that he means like a Jack Loney is someone they look to move on, and, and they've discussed that with you know, with Higgins. It's like, well, we're going to bring you in. We want you to replace that Loney type role, and and we've talked to Loney, and he's looking to move. Who knows exactly what's going on? But you're right on the surface. You know, with Butler, with Loney, with Billings, with these other guys that they have down there, you know, where is he fitting in? But maybe there is some discussion that that maybe maybe Loney's a guy that goes to Adelaide in a deal. Whatever they're doing, those you know, side deals, shifty side deals they're doing to get Crouch and the, the compensation, there's got there might be something else in that rather than just, well, we're just adding you to the bunch of guys we got here um, and good luck fighting it out. I've, and also, I wouldn't say, you know, for St. Kilda, it's great. I, even if they don't oh, yeah. move on from any of those guys, adding the depth is exactly what you want to do at this time of year. So it's fantastic for St. Kilda because I think Higgins is a pretty good player. He's, he's not a star, but he's certainly, if, if that's the guy that's one of your you know, bottom eight, I guess, uh, on your team, then you're probably a pretty good team because we've seen him play a high level of footy for Richmond at times. So it makes sense for St Kilda, no doubt. Uh, I was just trying to look at it from from Higgins' point of view because it's got to be a tough decision to leave a club like Richmond. Yeah, exactly. That is that is a big call and you would hope he'd have some sort of um, you know, not assurance, but yeah, an idea that, hey, your, your role is going to be pretty good here. Um, you've put a question in here. We talked about Collingwood a little bit before, but you, why wouldn't Collingwood try and get in on Jeremy Cameron? Is it because, and this seems to be the case of, of what happens so much here with AFL movement, is that Cameron says, I want to go to Geelong, and then other teams go, oh, cool, that's done then. Like we, we, We're not coming in with other offers. We're not, uh, no no clubs really ever, not really ever, but very rarely seem to play that hardball there. So is it just a case of um, yeah, gentleman's agreement? If a player is talking about, you know, wants to go to another club and the other club's there, the other clubs just back off? Because it, it never bidding wars never really seem to uh, eventuate. We had that one, of course, a couple of years ago with Dustin Martin that came out with North Melbourne and Adelaide you know, making those bids, but then he goes back to Richmond. But in these sort of scenarios where players, and Martin hadn't you know, determined, you know, hey, I'm going here. When a player says, I want to go here, very rarely do clubs come in and, and do that, you know, drive the price up or bidding war or try and convince them. It's like, oh, well, he's chosen, we're done. I'm actually loath to bring this up because uh, now that we've mentioned it, it'll probably come up in the news in the next couple of days <laughs> and I'll end up devastated. But I, I just was thinking about it. And, and if you are calling with a team that desperately needs a forward, a, a tall forward, a key forward, we know that they're trying to ship off Adam Trelaw. Now, I know that Trelaw wants to stay in Melbourne and I know that he's contracted and I know there's a lot of complicating factors there. But I, I don't know if you're trying to get rid of that guy. And, and again, this is difficult for Collingwood because the reason that they probably want to get rid of Chalor is they can come up with all the excuses they want, but it's because they want to sign to go. It's because they want to sign Dacos and more, and they have these financial problems. So potentially, they can't actually find a way to get in there. But if I'm GWS... I'm looking at it, I'm saying, well, what's Geelong going to offer us in the trade? They've already said they're not going to give us Parford, who we wanted. They don't want to give us Radicalier, a guy that we wanted. If Collingwood is interested in, in trading Trelaw and they can somehow figure it out to get it in there, uh, we're probably not going to get a better player back than, than Adam Trelaw. So 
I don't know whether this is something that can work out. I'm just at least a little bit surprised that we haven't at least heard anything that Collingwood, given what they're going through right now and the fact that they're in the news every single day and really just the desperate need for a player like Jeremy Cameron, I'm just a little bit surprised that hasn't been brought up. Ultimately, it could come down to the fact that, as we've said, and we've spoken about this a lot, that Cameron seems pretty clear that he wants to uh, live down in the, the country, live down in the sticks of Geelong. Yeah, um, we I think we heard a little bit about that with Matt Rendell, who appears to be literally on every radio station at every moment of every day at the moment, uh, giving his thoughts on what every team should be doing. Um, he mentioned that Collingwood maybe would look to do that in some wild scenario where Grundy was getting traded and everyone was moving mm. and Darcy Moore was playing in the ruck and all that sort of stuff. But outside of that nonsense, we haven't really heard uh, too much more uh, about it. But we do need to move on to... Um, to other areas, Kane, of this show. Otherwise, we're going to get into the same situation we were yesterday, and I run out of time to talk about the things that we're on uh, on the run sheet. So it's time for this or that. Speaking of blokes who have been everywhere on the radio talking <laughs> shit continually for, for weeks, Stephen Silvani um, having lots to say about Carlton, and now he's uh, he's offering up his opinion on Patrick Cripps. What uh, what do we make of the Silvani Cripps comments? Well, I'm curious because I think that there would be a couple of different ways to look at this. I would imagine if you're a Carlton fan, who, by the way, probably absolutely loves sauce, I think that you would be well within your rights to think, I reckon there's some bitterness here between Stephen Silvani and Carlton and the way things ended and some of the things he said about the club last year. And that would make sense to me if you're a Blues fan that you would say that this is all smoke, there's nothing going on here. Silvani's just throwing a shit against the wall because he's he's... Yeah, pissed off about the way things ended with the club. On the other hand, I reckon you would be a little bit nervous that Paddy Cripps uh, has not given a commitment to the club further than next season. This year, I will say, when you talk about a year to sign an extension, it was clearly a difficult year to do so. There was a contract freeze for an extended period of the time. Uh, the clubs are away. They're in the hubs. Everything was different. When you still have a year on a contract, it's probably not the most ideal time to be going into those negotiations, particularly with just how uh, regular the games were every few days. But if you are Paddy Cripps, and Carlton clearly this offseason, we've spoke about him a lot. I think my thoughts on the additions of Saad and Williams are well known, both very, very good players, but I think it's an extremely risky move to be paying a lot of money to those two players that are, are really quite similar types. Paddy Cripps still, you know, in my mind, a lot of the time, is, is a young guy still, but then you look at how long he's been in the league and you say, well, okay, he's going to turn 26 next year. Now, clearly, like only just entering his prime. I'm not saying that uh, he, he's an older player or anything like that, but he will be entering his eighth season in the AFL, which is a little bit hard to believe that he's been in the league for that long, yet to play a final. He's been through a lot with Carlton in terms of a lot of losing, a lot of, I think the Blues are on the rise here. I think they're coming. I think they're coming. Oh, no, they're actually not. They've disappointed again. At some point, he's probably going to get to the point where I well, I want to play finals and I'm sick of being on this team that continues to disappoint. So I think the fact that they couldn't get him to sign an extension, I just don't think it's outrageous to sit here and say if Carlton disappoints next year, particularly after committing to these two players, that there might be some part of him that says, am I going to sign a long-term extension here and take a B with this club through to my 30s when at the, at the age of 26 in my eighth season I still haven't tasted finals? I, I don't... I, I can understand why the automatic reaction would be that this is all bullshit, but 
I, there's something there, I think, at least. I think if you're Carlton next year, this is why I've said it, they're all in. They've got to make the finals next year. I think they've got a fairly good chance of doing that as well. And, and yeah, that is probably why he would hold off on uh, an extension at this stage because you're right, you do want to play finals at some point in your career. I don't think that everybody should be looking at, well, if I don't win a flag, my career was a failure. I don't think that is a fair way to, to view any of these players. And I don't think players look at that. Everyone wants to do that, and that's what they want to do. But I don't think, shit, I, I've completely failed as a player if I don't win a premiership. But you want to play a final. You want to play one final. And I understand wanting to be able to do that. And if that's not happening, especially when they're making these really hard moves at, at going for these players like yeah, your Saad and your Williams, and, and we throw whatever other names, but they're going hard at it. They're, they're moving towards that. It's the direction they need to go now. And if they can't get that done, then you can't, really blame Cripps for saying, well, I, I would like to move on somewhere else for as good as he is if he can't get them to that level. And the players that they're bringing in can't get to that level. There's obviously some other concern there or some other problem. So I would understand that. But I don't think this is too much for Carlton fans to get worried about. They're making the moves to get to the finals. You think they're in the next two years, they've got a, a really strong chance of being able to do that. And I think yeah, with with Cripps, that'll, that'll enable him to be able to, uh, to to sign that extension. But I wouldn't. I don't like the, the way that extensions are done in the AFL, where they can just happen randomly really at any time. And it puts a lot of pressure and a lot of new cycle on those guys. It's like, oh, is he going to sign? Is he going to sign? Like, his contract's not up for another couple of years. So we, we put that pressure on so far in advance. I think there needs to be a tightened window maybe on that sort of stuff so the speculation doesn't just continually run through a whole season. It's like, well, if you haven't signed now, then that, that well, that's it. The extension period is over and then we'll deal with it later on versus you know, constant speculation you're two years out in some cases. That's pretty normal though. I mean, in most sports... If you don't sign a year out and you're heading into that year where you go into free agency or whatever it may be, then the speculation is going to be there. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, sure. If again, if you're a Carlton fan, getting him to sign this summer would be the absolute ideal situation. So you don't have the pressure of needing to win next year. The one thing I'll say about Carlton is that despite the fact they've had such little success over the last really two decades. The thing that they've been able to do, and I think this will be in their favor, and to be honest, if I had to put money on whether I think Cripps will play for Carlton in 2022, I would say yes. I, I don't think he's leaving. I think he enjoys being the leader of the club. He enjoys uh, playing for a big club. I think he enjoys that limelight. He seems to be a guy that um, wants to be a real star in Melbourne. That's the, the impression I get. But he's played alongside guys like Mark Murphy and Kate Simpson and these veterans that have been through it all with Carlton and never left. And I, I think that that plays into their favor as well, having spent so much time uh, around those guys. Uh, one last note on it, though, because I did see some stuff online. Again, I, I don't know who was saying this, but they were like, well, you know, West Coast is an older team. They might be on the slide. I don't know why you would automatically count out Fremantle, who, by the way, one of the mo more impressive young teams in the AFL this season. Again, if Carlton, if something happened, the situation happened and Carlton up and they made the finals i don't know why we're ruling out Fremantle. if cripps was going to go back to wa i know over the past few years it's been west coast or nothing but a Fremantle were a really impressive team this year so ultimately i don't think cripps is going anywhere but i don't think it's i don't think it's i wouldn't say it's 100 percent bitterness from Savani, at least floating it out that there is pressure on carlton as a team next year to to make the finals i think that's very real yeah, uh, look, there is that. There is pressure on them for sure, given the the, the moves and what they're doing. But yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's the be all and end all. We'll, we'll see. I, I think they're probably going to make the finals, but we'll see how all this uh, stuff plays out over the next couple of weeks with uh, with trades and free agency and all the player movement going on. All right, now this is the segment that we did want to touch on yesterday. 
um, but we didn't get around to it because I talked for too long. So let's uh, let's do it. So, Kane, we're looking at teams or players that are under pressure, and we're looking back at the finals. So we're looking at who we think is the biggest disappointment of the finals and who maybe takes that pressure into next season. Who is yours? West Coast for me. And I said West Coast the club, but you could almost just say Adam Simpson, I reckon, because, uh, and I'll give the reason for this, because at the start of the season, we spoke about West Coast performance in the hub. Did not go well, particularly in Queensland, a lot of complaining, a lot of public stuff from Adam Simpson. Now, I, I always say this. I think coaches, they take the hits for the players more than we think. So sometimes we can absolutely read too much into what the coach says without understanding that he's literally just communicating what the playing group is feeling. So I, I don't think Adam Simpson should get all the blame here. But when you look at the way that that panned out, that first hub, that was brutal. Then they went back to WA. They were 7-0. and in WA. So they were looking again like the premiership contenders we thought they were going to be. And then they went back to the hub and they lost to Richmond. Fair enough. Richmond ended up being the premiers. It's not the worst loss in the world, but they lost to your mob. They lost to the Bulldogs. That was a really bad loss. That cost them top four. And then when they went back to WA before the finals again, and we spoke about this, Adam Simpson was talking about the fact if they lose, they're going to have to quarantine in Perth. And that was the complaint that was coming out in the media. So for me, West Coast, the team, again, a veteran team, that they're on the clock. And I think we all understand that. They are on the clock with some of the better players on their list and their time in the premiership window. I know that they had to play away. And I know that this was a really strange year. But they had an advantage that simply a lot of clubs didn't have this year. With that seven straight weeks at home in front of their home fans, in their own lounge rooms, in their own beds, and they won that, but they blew it because they didn't have the ability to do anything once they left WA. And I thought there was too much public complaining. That loss against Collingwood, we gave all the credit to Collingwood for the win. And I know West Coast had some injuries and they had plenty of changes coming into that game. But this season was a waste for West Coast. There was a horrific first final loss to Collingwood. And I think they're under pressure. They're under pressure next year. We know they'll be fine in WA. They're going to figure it out on the road. They're going to, they're going to do a better job of ensuring they finish top four because it's cost them two years in a row. Yeah, I, I, I not forgot, but you know, all that complaining, and I forgot that quarantine part of it as well. It's just stuff that doesn't need to be an issue, and when every team is dealing with it in maybe a harder way than what they are as well this year, it, it is it is a concern that there's there's no doubt about that. And they were disappointing because they they had all the advantages there over Collingwood, uh, a team that had struggled so much during the during the season with their own injuries, but also just the way that they were playing. Uh, they had that advantage, and they should have been able to to take that advantage. And obviously, they weren't. So that that is a that is a big concern for West Coast and where they go with the with their list and with their team after a situation that wasn't probably set up for them quite as well as what it was for Brisbane. But still, they had a, a pretty strong advantage for uh, for the way this season uh, panned out. For me, I'm looking at Charlie Dixon, and now he was obviously really good during the season, all Australian, deservedly so, as a big forward. But as happened so often during the season. Um, in the big games, he wasn't really standing up. And in the two finals, he had 15 combined touches. He took four marks. Yes, four of those were against Richmond, but he didn't have any against Geelong. And he kicked two goals. He had two scoring shots, kicked two goals across two finals for a bloke that was as dominant as he was in parts during the season. When he had to take on the bigger teams, 
he really wasn't as impactful during the, the home and away season, but in particular during the finals. He's 30 years of age now. They rely really heavily on him up forward, and if he's not getting it done in these bigger games, that, that's a little bit of a worry because you can go out there and you can beat up against shit teams as much as you want. And that's not necessarily what he always did. He kicked six against the Eagles, yes, when they were struggling. Three against the Crows. He kicked uh, he had six shots against Richmond in round 11 in that game that they won. But a lot of what he, a lot of what he was doing, um, he didn't quite have that impact uh, towards the end of the season in the games where it mattered most. And I think that that, if Port Adelaide wants to go further and, and build on what they did, then Dixon's got to be able to stand up in those bigger games um, to have more of an impact commensurate with what he's done through the rest of the home and away games. Yeah, you mentioned that home and away game, two goals, four, and he was really dominant. But outside of that. Uh, as you pointed to, goalless against Brisbane in the home and away season, goalless against Geelong in the home and away season, then only one goal or two goals total in the final. So uh, across, uh, what is that, across five games against Brisbane, Geelong and Richmond, the three other best teams in the competition, uh, he's only kicked four goals in five games. So not good enough. And I, I think the challenge for Port next season, uh, Todd Marshall, we know, a young key forward. He's building into it. Mitch Georgiades, can he take a step? Only second year. You're asking a lot. So when I look at Port Adelaide's list, the problem for them in the forward line, because we spoke about maybe they were a defender short, uh, but also they were probably a forward short, and you think that the growth will come from those two, Marshall and Georgiades, but at the same time, they kind of need it right now. And so they don't have a lot of time uh, to wait for those two to develop. So that'll be the challenge for Port, no doubt. I can absolutely see why they were uh, very reluctant in any Aaliyah Aaliyah talks. And clearly now it looks like Aaliyah Aaliyah doesn't want to go there anyway. But I, I can understand why they were certainly reluctant to even contemplate adding someone like uh, Peter Laddams into those uh, conversations because I think we saw that in the back end of the season. They realized they needed another target. They actually played Scott Lysette and Peter Laddams together because they, they wanted the not only the combination in the ruck, but to be able to put someone like Laddams up forward, who showed some promise as a tall forward, because there was too much reliance on Dixon. So uh, while Dixon didn't stand up, I also think for Port Adelaide, they were too predictable, and it was pretty clear for the opposition. Uh, chuck a couple blokes on Dixon, take him out of the game, and you give yourself a real shot. Yeah, so I wasn't sure if I was being a little bit too harsh on Dixon, but you know those numbers would all you know, not not add up. But you know, that's sort of how that was looked to him. And while he was fantastic, you have to be able to when your team and the structure of your team is built so much around what you're doing in terms of Dixon. If that doesn't work, then uh, it's not great. And with a, a history of that sort of thing happening over the course of the season, it is something that he he should be putting some sort of pressure on himself or, or you know, striving to get better in that situation. It's not easy to do. You can't just say, well, cool, I'll be better now. You've <laughs> got to be able to, to do it. But that is what needs to happen. So I think that was probably a little bit disappointing for me with uh, with Charlie Dixon this, uh, this, this final series. But... Um, Kane, I reckon we might uh, wrap that up today. We're not uh, we're not talking eight hours of nonsense here on this podcast. We're just getting to the news. We're smashing it out, and we're talking footy in a way that hopefully doesn't get your ire up too much. Kane, thank you again. No, it's a pleasure, and I think we mentioned this before, and and all these dates, and the grand final was only a few days ago. I've been uh, struggling to to figure out how we've moved so quickly into the trade talks, but I think free agency starts tomorrow, so I dare say the news is going to keep on rolling. Well, actually, just just talking about that, there is news that has just broken that Essendon have fired their head of football, Dan Richardson, after uh, three years on the job, so he is uh, he's out of there. There, uh, you know, obviously things have not gone well for um, for Essendon at this point. 
Um, but he is he's gone uh, fired yesterday by by Essendon. There you go, Richo. Essendon, lots of changes with the Bombers this offseason. I don't think uh, that's a that's a big surprise to anyone. No, I don't think so either. But uh, guys, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about whatever news transpires in the next 24 hours. In the meantime, subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Leave us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. And today, guys, I'm going to leave you with a shout-out to Frank DiMartino.